BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, April 5, 2023. It's about 325 in the afternoon. Apologies for the late start. Technical difficulties, as can happen. Uh, Jack Devine returns to our show today. Jack, always a pleasure. Uh, Welcome back, my dear friend. Uh, Since uh, we were together last, President Xi and President Putin had an open, public, notorious hugging each other in Moscow. President Xi publicly suggested in the presence of President Putin that there be a ceasefire in the war in Ukraine. What do you make of that, my dear friend? Well, he, he means, I guess, for the Ukrainians that stop firing. Um, I look, remember, he's addressing not just Putin, Putin he's addressing the world. Right. He also said a relationship limits. So I guess I would say you have to take both statements with a grain of salt. Uh, a ceasefire... Um, I don't know if that appeals. I don't think it appeals to either side. Uh, well, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have said that in Putin. Well, you, you correct me. This is your field. Would he have said that in President Putin's presence in Moscow, in the Kremlin, without notifying them, Putin and his folks, and getting consent ahead of time? Well, I don't know about getting consent. Uh, I agree with you. It's hard to imagine that he would have freewheeled. Free, been freewheeling such a, uh, a blatant statement. I think it's in maybe the Russians' interest to have a ceasefire because they're not doing very well in their quote-unquote offensive, right? Uh, ceasefire would give them a chance to regroup. I don't see, I really don't see the point of it, though, to be honest with you, other than it's good theater for the Chinese to say that. And I guess it's no harm to the Russians to say it because both sides know they're not going to have a ceasefire. Isn't it good for humanity that there be a... Oh, I think we've lost Jack. All right, I'm going to talk until he comes back. Isn't it good for humanity that there be a ceasefire? Uh, He looked good. I mean, in other words... Okay, we we lost you. Jack, we lost you for about the last 30 seconds. So let me ask my question again. The last thing you were saying was it's not good for either side that there be a ceasefire, although it might benefit the Russians more. Isn't it good for humanity that there be a ceasefire and negotiations rather than negotiations while people are killing each other or rather than no negotiations at all? We lost it again, Judge. Okay. Can you hear us now, Jack? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Isn't it good for humanity that there be a ceasefire while negotiations go on. Isn't that better than negotiations while fighting is going on or better than no negotiations at all? Well, suppose someone broke into your 
your yard, right? And decided they were going to occupy three fourths of the yard or half of the yard or something and said, let's have a ceasefire. <laughs> you might not say, well, wait, wait, <laughs> before we were going to cease fire, move back to where you started, right? So it's a non, it's a non-starter. I mean, um, I, I, you know, you know, it's interesting, Judge. No one's really picked up on this and made this a big story. Let's go to the table and have the ceasefire because I think everybody knew that it was more of a gesture than a reality. Your point's a good one. There shouldn't be war, you know, and there should be peace, and you should have ceasefires. But you have to take the other party seriously, and if it's No, I don't think this is going to work, Jack. We keep, yeah, we keep losing so. you. The last thing we heard was you have to take the other party seriously. So can you pick up from there? You have to take. You have to believe that they're serious, right? And and so consequently, I don't think anyone believes the Russians have any. Putin has any intention of not pursuing this until he's until it's shown that he can't do it. And so I don't think he's there yet. All right. Uh, even at the height of the Vietnam War, uh, before your time and mine, the State Department was speaking to Russia, and there were some communications with North uh, Vietnam. It appears there's no U.S.-Russia communications now, no Ukraine-Russia communications now. Isn't it always better, or correct me if I'm wrong, you're the intel guy, isn't it always better if there is some communication going on, even while hostilities are going on. Yeah, I'm not sure, Judge, that there aren't any uh, communications. Uh, I think when um, I think when the um, drone was hit, there was communications back and forth. I think there's a way to communicate in a crisis. What you're talking about is having you know serious discussions about where are we going to go in the war. Yeah, I don't think they're taking place, right? Everybody's encouraging everybody. Uh, look, Macron was in China telling Xi, look, you know, let's uh, stop supporting the, Ukra the Ukraine effort, right? So everyone's trying to get, you know, get the thing resolved. But it's, I, I've said this and I'll say it again today. You don't have the conditions for an agreement. The Putin cannot settle without a victory. And the Ukrainians are not going to let them have a victory. So they're going to continue fighting until both sides are not able to, to carry on. My own view, it ends in a static situation. And this is a loss for, for uh, Putin. A draw is a loss. I know that's uh, Yogi Berra. Why, why does the U.S. want war if it appears that there's going to be a draw? Why is Joe Biden objecting to a ceasefire? He doesn't believe that Putin's serious no more than I do. There's no reason to believe that Putin wants to cease fire. He could have a ceasefire immediately, just stop firing. The Ukrainians won't, you know, will well, go along with that. Well, a ceasefire has to be has to be bilateral. Let, let's yeah, you have to sit down and you have to have an agreement. What is it? What are we course, agreeing to? Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, so they don't have, what I'm saying is I don't, and I said this last time, sticking with it. I don't see the conditions for a concession. Putin is locked in a corner and so are the Ukrainians. Uh, uh, Zelensky. What, can't. what do you mean? What do you mean? Putin is locked in a corner. The Russians have taken Bakhmut. Everybody oh, now maybe. acknowledges that. Maybe, maybe. Uh, 
let me let me say that's taking one town. You're 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 the great this great power. You're going to come into Ukraine. You're going to roll right over Kiev, and you take a town, and that's victory. <laughs> so I don't know. First of all, I don't think they've taken the town. That's my understanding. But even if they did, how does that relate? To, how does that become a victory? <laughs> I don't really see it. I mean, well, maybe the, well, Ukraine Ukraine has poured everything it has into this victory, which pres or into this battle. No, not which true. President Zelensky not himself true. has said is largely symbolic. President Putin wants to win it for PR reasons. It appears President Putin has won it. It's not like they've taken Chicago or New York, but this is some sort of a breakthrough. It, it emotionally ma and, and in terms of morale for the Russian troops, is it not? Well, I mean, if it is, God bless them. I mean, I think it take, uh, taking one town, uh, accelerate. Uh, all right, not working out well today. I love talking with you, Jack, and I know the audience loves hearing you, even though they disagree. The Ukrainians did not put everything into the battle, okay? I mean, you, you, whoever's telling you that is not accurate. Why didn't they put everything into the battle? Well, let me speculate. Maybe there's round two. Maybe there's an offensive and a counteroffensive. So I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying I, I guarantee you they didn't put everything in. All right, switching gears. Uh, was the CIA involved in this assassination at a at a cafe in St. Petersburg of Vladin Tartarsky? We'll actually show you the bombing. Gary, you can show it. Watch this. In St. Petersburg, Vladlen Tartarsky, a well-known Russian military blogger, was presented with a statue. A bomb was hidden inside, according to Russian state media, and when it exploded, it killed Tartarsky, injuring at least 32 others. That was courtesy of our friends at uh, CBS News. Apparently, a young woman handed him uh, a bust of himself, uh, which he took. She then sat in the front row while it exploded, so it's not clear if she knew that there were explosives in it, even though... Judge, uh, let, even, me, let me answer it this way. It's inconceivable that the agency would be involved in a terrorist event in in St. Petersburg. It's just, it's inconceivable. Uh, would they have known it's an ahead of time? It's an act they of know, war. They know what Ukraine intel is up to. Would they have known ahead of time that this was going to happen? Uh, my, I find it very, very hard to believe that that's what happened. Now, if you go back to the Bush days, he warned Gorbachev the coup was coming, right? The Americans warned him a coup was coming. If there was a terrorist event being planned, I think we would be, by rules, regulation, would have to do something to intervene in that. And knowing that the Ukrainians, if they did it, you know, it's a dispute who did it, um, would be disinclined to advise us. All right. Is this the type of uh, behavior of the Ukraine intelligence services? Is it more likely than not that this woman was an agent, witting or unwitting, of the Ukraine intelligence services when she handed this guy a, a bust of himself yeah, with a bomb? I don't, any, I don't see any pattern to this. If the Ukrainians wanted to, they'd be setting off bombs all day in Moscow. They have not. I mean, this is... This is why I think this has to, you have to sometimes after any of these incidents, you have to let the information settle in a little bit and the truth will hopefully come forward. But I, the Ukrainians do not have a campaign of a side.
Ah, we're losing you again, Jack. But uh, to the best of my knowledge, there is no, I see no report. I see nothing that indicates that such a campaign exists. I, I really, I just don't see it. Okay. Uh, remember, you, when you start down this road, I mean, it, there's two two-way streets, right? So once you decide you're going to start blowing up things, you change the course of the battle. I don't think that's done. Well, my inclination is to, well, first of all, let's wait and see. But one thing I guarantee you, from my perspective, not inside information, but based on the years of my experience in that building, the agency was absolutely not involved. Okay. Congress would have to be known. I mean, it's just, it's just inconceivable. But you also said the agency wasn't involved in the, in the destruction of the Nord Stream pipeline, right? Well, they're officially on record saying they're not. And therefore, you believe them. Well, let me let me postulate this: when you are the Secretary of State and you state something before the American people, you better be really confident that that's true. Otherwise, you're going to have a tremendous political black guy, which you and everybody else will help contribute to, and I would as well. I expect I expect when the, the Secretary of State says we're not involved, we're not involved. Yeah, okay. so I accept that. Now Truman okay. on the U two said, and this is the lesson. He said, oh, it wasn't ours. And then, you know, Khrushchev showed the down plane. I think we learned a lesson there. The plausible denial, it doesn't work with the American people right now. You just simply have to tell it straight. I don't know any case in recent times where such a blatant statement we weren't involved was put forth, you know. And if so, shame on us for making that. Okay. About, about uh, three weeks ago, the FBI arrested a guy named Sergei Cherkasov charged them with being a Russian agent masquerading as a Brazilian soccer player. Now that's real espionage. I mean, that, okay. That okay. Let me, to- let me finish Jack. A week later, your friends, the FSB arrested a wall street journal reporter who had just written. And there he is a fellow New, uh, New Jerseyan of yours uh, and mine uh, who had just written a negative piece in the Wall Street Journal about the effect of sanctions uh, and the destruction of the uh, Nord Stream pipeline on the Russian economy. Is there a connection there? Well, there may well be. Uh, first of all, I would say the Russian charge is unfounded. They will they will develop proof, but you know you'll have to take it with a with a, with a huge grain of salt, like five pounds worth. So. But the espionage case, the Brazilian, is really interesting because that is a real clandestine, what we call unofficial officer working abroad, and like this, like Abel was in the, the 40s. In other words, that's a real spy case, right? Now, in order to trade a real spy, you usually get a real spy, right? So, or you offer two two semi spies. So it it could well be connected. Or they may have just been flat furious with the coverage of, of, of this journalist, which I think is politically, and I'm coming increasingly to the view that uh, Putin is nowhere near as political depth as I thought he was, even though I was you know, very critical of him on many things. So, so I, I think it was a bad move by the Russians. And the- So, Jack, is, is this the new... I'm going to assume you can hear me, even though we can't see you. Is this the new diplomacy? Uh, Jack, is this the new diplomacy? Arrest Britney uh, Spears so you can get Victor Boot, of all people, home. Arrest Evan Gershkovitz 
so you can get Sergei Cherkovov home. Is this the new diplomacy that the U.S. and that the Russians are playing? You have to worry about it because this is, again, like kidnapping. Once it starts, you know, one of the things when we when we first faced the kidnapping thing was do you do you negotiate with them, right? And the decision was made fairly quick. If you if you negotiate, then someone else is going to be kidnapped. So if it starts to be like a marketplace, I mean, God forbid, everybody's it's fair game. So I'm hopeful that isn't a new a new dimension of diplomacy because I, I just see it'll, it'll turn into chaos. Earlier today uh, in Moscow, President Putin addressed the new U.S. ambassador to Moscow and some other ambassadors as well uh, from the West and to their face accused the U.S. of being responsible for what the Russians call the color revolution in 2014, where a popularly elected pro-Russian government in Ukraine was thrown out and uh, the Zelensky and his predecessor, his predecessor first, and then Zelensky came in. Were you surprised that Putin would be that direct to the face of the American uh, ambassador on national television making that allegation? No, I, I think he's, he's prepared to make any, any allegation that, that he thinks he can sell it domestically, right? But I would call Putin not a primary source. In other words, when he tells you something, you know, don't take it at face value. It's all, I mean, he's, he's, he's trying to sell a message. He's, he made a tremendous blunder and he's trying to figure out how to get out of it. Well, you call it, you call it a tremendous blunder. The Russians keep moving West. Oh, the Ukrainians judge. are not moving East. How do you call it a blunder? Judge, judge, you, we were on this show in the last two months, you were telling me these great wizards of the war we're saying the Russians have the 300,000-man army and they're going to roll right over Ukraine. Here we are, 150,000 troops went in, and they may or may not have taken a town. I mean, he is having a hard time. This is not victory. This Anybody that thinks he's won something, uh, I mean, God bless you. But, I mean, I, I don't know how I could hold my head and invade a country and move a few kilometers, you know. So I, I think he's in trouble. I think he's in serious trouble. That's why there's a fight between or between the regular military and, and uh, the Wagner group. Why? They're trying to figure out who to blame for this. And guess where all roads lead on this one? It ends up leading to Putin. So I, uh, this is not a big offensive. Is this it? I mean, this is what everybody, all your friends were talking about. I mean, I, I was more right than I thought I was when I said they would all peter out. Now he's going to bring in another group, and, and they're losing at the rate of 800 people, 800 soldiers a day. The Russians. Multiply that by 300 days. Let's just say they take off a few days. And, and then you think about the parents and the cousins. All right, we lost you again. Uh, we lost you again, Jack. They're losing at the rate of maybe six to one. I mean, you know, and you say, well, a lot of Russians. That's a lot of bloodshed on his hand. With his own people, with his own people. If that's victory, my God, uh, you know, let's let's revisit. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some the Alamo. All right, we'll 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 end with that. Jack Devine, always a pleasure, my dear friend. We'll have you back again when our uh, again when our connection is a little better. More as we get it, my dear friends. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom. <laughs>